helping families be happy. Welcome to the Helping Families Be Happy podcast, where we explore the often messy world of family love and relationships. I am your host, Dr. Carla Marie Manley, a practicing clinical psychologist, wellness advocate, and author based in Sonoma County, California. I've teamed up with Familius Publishing to bring you nourishing real-life information about love, family, relationships, and life. Now, I am thrilled to introduce today's guest, Dana Kurtz, who will be talking with us about her book, Mother Matters, a holistic guide to being a happy, healthy mom. Welcome to the podcast, Dana. How are you? I'm doing just fine, Carla. Thank you so much for having me. It's um, really a pleasure to spend some time with you today. It's wonderful to have you. So tell me a little bit about you, and then we'll dive into your wonderful book. (laughs) Thank you for that. Uh, I am a New York City-based psychotherapist, um, and I am also the mother of a now, uh, gosh, (laughs) 10-year-old. It's hard to believe. Um, And I have a special um, passion for working with women on what I have termed the the motherhood spectrum. Um, So women who are are mothers, women who are contemplating becoming moms, uh, women who are deciding perhaps that they don't want to be a mother, um, and sort of everything in between. And so that's a, a sub-specialty of my clinical practice is working with that rather vast population. I like that, the motherhood spectrum. <laughs> a nice way of putting it. It encompasses a lot. What beautiful work. So can you tell me for our listeners a little bit about your beautiful book, Mother Matters, A Holistic Guide to Being a Happy, Healthy Mom? Yes. So um, I think in order to do that, I have to sort of share a bit about the inspiration for the book uh, in the first place. I was practicing, a practicing psychotherapist sort of early in my practice when I became uh, very happily pregnant. I had, um, was very privileged to have a very smooth and easy pregnancy and enjoyed the experience of being pregnant. I think because of that experience and also because of the fact that I was blessed with an abundance of resources, uh, a supportive partner and um, close friends and a background in uh, health and well-being that I was poised to move into motherhood with grace and ease Mm. and joy. (laughs) And uh, that was not, in fact, my experience. Far from it. I refer to it now as a period of time where there was something of a failure to thrive, which uh, is a term I've borrowed from pediatrics to describe um, children who don't hit sort of expected milestones. And I wasn't hitting the milestones in early motherhood that I think I was expecting to, or that Mm. maybe others were expecting me to. 
Um, I was um, overwhelmed in spite of all of the resources I had. I was uh, certainly moving through a period of postpartum depression, uh, which now fits into a larger category that we speak of as a perinatal mental health disorder um, that can happen at sort of any point on that trajectory of pregnancy to the postpartum period. And um, I was quite taken aback by how limited the information and research-based tools um, were how limited in availability those supports were uh, for me. And as I came to, found, to find out for so many other women as well, I would go so, to, I'm sorry, go oh, ahead. I was going to say, so you were really alone. Here you are with this failure to thrive, not hitting the milestones. I'd like to know which those miles, you know, what those <laughs> milestones were, by the way. Uh -huh. And so it sounds like you were really alone, floundering. I was floundering. Uh, and I, um, to, to answer your question about sort of what those milestones were, they were more abstract uh, than concrete. I wasn't feeling uh, an abundance of joy um, which I thought I was supposed to be. Mm. I wasn't uh, madly in love with, with the, the act of mothering. Uh, I instead found it uh, monotonous, labor-intensive, exhausting. Um, I was not, um, just not, not reveling in this kind of um, bliss that I assumed I was supposed to be. Um, yes, yes, that, um, that image of the mother sitting in the rocking chair with the perfect baby and the perfect life and exuding joy and everything's perfect. That's right, yes. that's right. And that image, um, that rocking chair image, uh, Carla, has been so, I think, ingrained in our Mm -hmm. cultural expectation of what early motherhood is supposed to look like, that even if we know intellectually it's not entirely realistic, I think on an emotional level, um, we assume that that's how it's going to feel. Um, Absolutely. And, <laughs> and if we don't have that, if we haven't achieved that as, as the benchmark, then we've somehow failed. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and to quote unquote fail at something that is such a biological, um, uh, you know, that, that we are supposed to have a predisposed biological um, ability, ability yes. for, yes. thank you, um, feels like a failure on top of a failure, I think, mm -hmm. for, for many of us. So, um, so because of that experience, I, when I began to move out of it, uh, and I can talk a little bit about how that happened, I became really um, concerned about, as I said, what, what struck me as a lack of resources that women could use to help make the postpartum period easier for them. There were an abundance of resources on how to raise, you know, happy, healthy babies. And of course that's, you know, profoundly important. We all want to raise happy, healthy children, 
but there seemed to be a dearth of resources focused exclusively on how to raise, you know, a happy, healthy mother. And um, I felt compelled to try and uh, take a stab at, at, at least contributing a little bit um, to, to building those resources for women. And I think you did more than take a stab at it in this book. <laughs> oh. And I'm looking at one particular part and I'd like to, to read it and then ask you, you know, maybe to lead me a little deeper into it. Renowned pediatrician and psychoanalyst Donald Winnicott writes of the importance of establishing a potential space between a mother and her baby. This concept refers to an imagined area in which the two share in creative and relaxed play. Imagine an orchestra in the moment before the conductor moves his baton to signal the start of an overture, or sitting in a theater just after the light dims and before the show begins or the curtain goes up. There is a very particular energy that can be felt, a special quality in the ether that suggests something is about to be created, birthed. This is the same environment. This same environment can be created between you and your baby. This potential space is a prime opportunity to enhance communication and healthy relationship building. Tell me about that, please. <laughs> Oh, Winnicott. Um, <laughs> so I think his idea of the good enough mother is that um, we can place as mothers uh, some attention on being present with our babies and be attuned to their needs. Um, and we're talking about a, a period of, you know, pre-verbal, so before they're able to articulate their needs to us with language. But if we're able to, in the space that he's referring to, in the space between a mother and a child, a mother and an infant, um, make eye contact, observe our babies, watch them, getting to know our babies, what it is that their needs are, that if we can do that most of the time, that that's good enough that that is mothering enough, that that will lead to, to really the fundamentals of what our babies need. Absolutely, and I love that you're bringing up that concept of attunement because it's so important. Isn't it interesting how, sorry, when you are feeling destabilized and not your best and insufficient, how it is so hard to be attuned to the child because you're not attuned with yourself. Yes, it is so important, that idea of attunement in all of our relationships and especially with ourselves. And that actually is at the root of, of the book of Mother Matters. It is uh, a, a manual, a guidebook with research-based very, very easy to employ, easy to learn tools that help a mother to become more deeply attuned to herself. And, and if she can do that, if all of us can do that, it has um, tremendous implications for how we move through the world and how we relate to others, our babies, our partners, our friends, our coworkers, 
um, everyone. And I love how you draw attention to that part of the book, well, to all of the book that is very pragmatic and mother friendly mm-hmm. in nature, that it's, they're not lofty concepts that are, you know, that they are basic human slow it down concepts that a new mom or an older mom, you know, one who's had several children can embrace. And I think this is a perfect example of, of one of your beautiful tips, because I can do this in my own life. And this is a quote from your book, eating in a mindful way offers the added advantage of slowing down the meal. This can have real implications for weight loss and weight management. When we eat quickly, we deprive our digestive and nervous systems of the chance to communicate with one another. And then this is a little aside, utilizing all the senses expands the experience of eating, making it more of a pleasurable activity, not simply a necessity. That defines my relationship with eating. It's like, just let me get this done so I can go do something important. And um, right, and so that devalues the meal time, which... I think that's one of the beauties of your book. One of the many beauties is that you're asking the mother, the woman to slow down, to become attuned to yourself, and then you can be attuned to others. Indeed. And, and Carla, we all, <laughs> we all have um, complicated relationships, I'll put it that way, with, with food and eating and especially women with body image. And uh, so, you know, in my, in my, practice when I see new moms who, and, and, and not just new moms, all moms who, you know, may be struggling with body image issues or weight issues. So often it, it is, um, once we understand the nature of the individual woman's relationship to food and eating and what it means to her emotionally, beyond nutritionally and, and those other issues, um, we're able to change the behavior around it. And then then the, the, the weight comes off <laughs> almost as a byproduct of understanding the, the nature of the emotional relationship with food. Because nine times out of 10, that's so often what it's about. Um, and so, um, you know, I'm, if somebody comes in and is wondering if a new mom is coming in and wondering, you know, how can I lose the baby weight? Uh, well, there certainly are, you know, some concrete, uh, questions to ask. One of those is always, you know, how do you feel about food? How do you feel about eating? Um, are you aware of what you're feeling emotionally when you're about to go to the refrigerator? And sometimes even simply asking oneself the question, you know, as you go to the refrigerator and open that door, you know, am I hungry now? Mm -hmm. Am I hungry for food or am I hungry for something else? And just taking a moment to ask, ask the questions of oneself. That's, that's, I think, a, a hopefully pretty clear example of what we're talking about in terms of cultivating that attunement we're getting in touch with ourselves, getting in touch with our needs. That's, that's really the crux of it. 
absolutely and knowing that we have little ones around who are watching what how how is mommy handling her stress her anxiety her loneliness what does so that they too then learn you know aside from the attunement piece they're watching to see how we cope and then they learn that behavior and it's passed on absolutely and that is a you know perhaps one of the most beautiful and profound byproducts of, um, of attuning to oneself and, and bolstering one's what I call mother care regimen, right? Um, taking care of oneself as a mother because inevitably uh, it will be modeled. Um, it will be modeled and to a child and a child will observe it and begin to internalize what, what she or he is seeing. Absolutely. And isn't that both the privilege and the responsibility of being a parent that <laughs> we are modeling, they're observing, and then they're internalizing? Indeed. Yes. Yes. So um, I wish we had about three hours to make it through <laughs> your book, Aww. but I am wondering as we begin to wrap up, what are in your in your mind, what are at the top ideas that you would like readers to take away from your book, the top gifts that you would like them to be able to embrace today? That's such a rich question. Um, I'll, I'll share several sort of top, top wishes um, for, for readers, prospective readers to take away. One is that... Um, the, the book, I hope, is very accessible, um, both in the language, but also in the tools that I write about. They're all science-based, they're all steeped in science, but they're, um, they're pretty easy to both understand and employ. And my hope is that, um, if, if a mom uh, were to pick up the book, to know that she should feel free to, you know, to look at it and, and take what works for her and leave the rest. And I think that mindset in motherhood, this idea of I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to absorb what works for me as a mother and leave the rest uh, is our kind of words to live by. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, because I think as mothers, we are, especially uh, at, at various points on that motherhood spectrum, more vulnerable to uh, a lot of data that's coming at us. A lot of data through social media, a lot of data through uh, our, our societal circles, through our family circles, our friend circles. And information is, is wonderful. It empowers us to make decisions. Um, but one of those decisions that sometimes get, gets lost is knowing what really resonates with what we need with our own experience, with being attuned to ourselves, mm -hmm. and what can be left by the wayside. And when we're talking about that in the context of becoming mothers and motherhood, we're really talking about maternal instinct. 
And so if there's one sort of takeaway that I hope listeners can internalize, it's the idea of becoming, of cultivating a trust for one's own maternal instinct, uh, because that's what it's there for. Um, and so with all of this information coming in and, you know, including my book, um, you know, my hope is that readers will pay attention as they're reading it to what resonates with them, what feels right, and leave the rest. Okay, here's the million-dollar question. <laughs> that wasn't it. I thought that was the million-dollar question. Okay. Well, that was. I'm ready. <laughs> but, but you prompted this. Okay, this is the $2 million question. Okay, got it. So I can just imagine a mom saying, I am so out of whack. Mm. I don't even know what my instinct is telling me. I can't even tell you what is resonating with me. I am so lost. And I think, and this would be the person talking to you, I think, Dana, that if I gobble up your book and every other book wholesale, I will know, I will know. So do you know what I mean? We've all been in that place. Just give me more information and, and I'll consume it all and then I'll be perfect, right? So yes. for the person who's sitting, you know, I'm imagining, you know, reading your book and then saying, but wait a second, or maybe listening to the podcast, saying, but wait a second, I don't even know what my instinct sounds like anymore I don't even know what resonates with me help me what would you say to that person so you know what we need to do to hear sound clearly we actually have to get really quiet and really still and I write in the book, I have a chapter on meditation. Meditation is an umbrella word these days that encompasses many, many different kinds of um, practice. But at the heart of meditation, most forms, it's about becoming still and quiet. And when we do that, it allows for our own voice to emerge whether we're talking about the maternal instinct and the voice of the kind of mother we want to be, need to be, whether it, it is the voice of how to be in partnership with our romantic partner, um, of how to be, you know, the, uh, how to be in the workplace if we're working outside the home. So, um, it's kind of counterintuitive when we're feeling like, oh my gosh, I have to f hurry up and figure out what to do. So I need to devour more information and devour more information. And actually, I would argue that oftentimes after we've done all that and gotten all that information, we then need to put it all aside and become still and quiet. And there are a number of ways to do that. I think meditation is... Um, a solid one. <laughs> um, Absolutely. And, and I'm not the only one. It's, it's, it's been employed for that reason for, for thousands of years in various forms. And so, yes, it's <laughs> one of, meditation is one of my key go-tos. Mm -hmm. And so I think for our listeners, you've given a beautiful answer to that $2 million question, <laughs> which might seem out of reach when you have a crying baby or a toddler, you know, climbing the walls, but that the way to find that quiet is to get somebody 
possibly Dana who can support you a grand you know a grandparent a friend a husband a partner someone who can allow you to have that quiet space so that you can get in touch with your internal voice and begin to get realigned does that sound like I'm on track Dana (laughs) (laughs) that sounds wonderful and I would add to that Carla that if uh you know, if you can, if one can feel the tension rising and the frustration and, um, you know, in those really trying motherhood moments and grandma or grandpa is not available, one can actually meditate for a minute. Sometimes it only, and I, and I talk about how to do that in very concrete steps in the book. It can take a minute to fall still, to become quiet. And it can, it can literally change the brain chemistry. It can change um, everything in, in just a moment. And if that's all you have, then that can be all you need. It can be enough. Uh, so I, I, I hope that I hope that affords it was said, some hope and comfort. <laughs> yes, and said so beautifully and and you know in a very true way that sometimes we have those minutes or moments and we want to put in our earbuds and you know put music on or something and sometimes what we need instead is that drop of stillness so mm. that we can recalibrate, get reattuned. I am I wish I had you know, another, like I said, another three hours with you. (laughs) Thank you so much for your time today. Oh, it's such a pleasure, Carla. Thank you for your time. Oh, thank you, Dana. Could you please tell our listeners where they can find you? Sure. So uh, you're welcome anytime to connect with me on my website. It's Dana, that's D-A-Y-N-A-M, as in Michelle, Kurtz, K-U-R-T-Z. So it's DanaMKurtz.com. That's my direct website. Uh, And if you want to take a browse at Mother Matters, you can find it on uh, Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com, direct from my publisher, Familius Press, F-A-M-I-L-I-U-S. And I suppose wherever fine, fine books are sold, I swore I would never say that, but I just did. Wherever brilliant books are sold, I must oh, add. Nice. Thank you for that. That's very kind. Thank it's you. a wonderful read. So thanks again, Dana. I so appreciate your time. And as we conclude today's podcast, I'd like to thank Familius Publishing for their support in bringing this podcast to your ears and your heart. Would be thrilled if you'd subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review on iTunes and social media. And when you're ready for that next amazing book adventure, would be honored if you'd choose a book from Familius Publishing, such as the lovely book, Mother Matters, A Holistic Guide to Being a Happy, Healthy Mom that we talked about today. And one step at a time, we can make the world a happier place. Thanks for sharing your time with me, Dr. Carla Marie Manley. It has been a true joy and a pleasure. Be well and shine as only you can do. We talk together, learn together, play, work, eat Together we laugh, together